Bolt your windows. Lock your doors. Check your closets. Look under your bed. And then, prepare yourself. For it's another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. Whoa! Good evening, listeners, and good evening, Troy. Well, Troy, I just started a romantic fire, and I'm lounging on this bearskin rug here on the wooden floor, and I thought maybe you'd come join me, perhaps bask in the afterglow of having recently interviewed Mike Joseph from from, uh, from uh, Death Drop Gorgeous, who I, I'm still blushing. I'm still, oh, like, the, this fire is just got me sweating. Is it the fire, or is it Mike Joseph? <laughs> Either way, I'm blushing right now. I'm gonna lean towards Mike Joseph. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to thank him. We want to take a brief minute to thank him for coming out, and I know he has a busy schedule uh, with everything they're working on and promoting, but gosh, you know, I I have to say, I hope he's just the first of all of the boys from the Death, uh, Death Rock Gorgeous crew. Absolutely. Uh, I want to get them all on this show. Um, oh, for sure. If we have to drive to Rhode Island ourselves and drug them, <laughs> I, <just laughs> I was gonna say, but... <laughs> sedate them and throw them in the trunk. <laughs> yeah, that's a real great way to start it off. <laughs> yeah, no, Mike was great. We had a blast talking oh, about the House of the God. Devil, a film that is, you know, gets better with age. We well, listen to the episode, yeah. and you'll find out exactly our thoughts. Oh on yeah, it. we don't we don't need to repeat anything with that because honestly, this this episode right now, Troy. Um, our listeners may not be aware, but this is a special bonus episode. This is not our standard formula, and we're taking a brief minute to just catch up on some interesting new tidbits related to our podcast, Dark Night of the Podcast, um, announce some cool news, some cool information, and take a moment to have a fireside chat to talk about what we have lovingly entitled Back to Ghoul Week. <laughs> uh, fittingly, because it is the first week of October, kids are going back to school, and somehow, some way, Troy and I have both been involved with slasher films set in and around school campuses. So, uh, what better well, way? Well, and yeah, and we did something very similar. If you guys remember, if you go back way back into our catalog, back in December of 2020, we did our first fireside chat where we actually both have involvement in a Christmas themed slasher flick, Mrs. Claus and mother Krampus two sleigh rides. So we did a little bit of an episode talking about our experiences making those films. And it just so happened we've, we, we realized, Oh my gosh, we've both done films that relate to schools and our slasher flick. Yeah. Who'd have thought, who would have thought. And you know what? I feel that it's, it's always nice to break up the monotony of the same formula over and over uh, you know, I love the formula. I love what we do. I love that we, you know, basically analyze a movie beginning to end um, <laughs> every single scene. We we pick it apart till there's no meat left on the bone. But sometimes it's nice to do something a little different. Um, and, and I think this also is a really great time to bring up the fact that we are going to be 
offering some unique new material because we've got something kind of exciting coming up here. Um, and uh, Troy, I I'm going to let you take the mic on this one because you're the mastermind behind it. Well, what we are doing is we are launching a Patreon for the podcast. The reason being is because we do want to provide you with more content. You guys don't even realize how much of a blast me and Roger have doing this. We we love it. We love your feedback. We we love that people seem to be really digging what we're doing. So we want to do some kind of other things in, in terms of episodes. We obviously are going to keep doing what we're doing every week. We're going to have an episode that's out where we're discussing a specific film, but we've also talked about doing things like, oh, just like our top 10 best and top 10 worst specific type of film or final girl or whatever, or uh, just horror related news or even like horror related television shows, which we've never get into on this podcast. So we thought, you know, what, what's an outlet for us to do that, uh, that isn't going to clog up our, our feed with, with, these extra episodes for people that aren't really interested in that, that just want to hear us talk about a specific movie like we do every week. So we of course are going with Patreon, which is basically a service that you, that artists use to provide extra content to their uh, fans through a small monetary monthly donation. And trust me when I say it's, it's, it's small, we're talking two, five dollars, $2, $5 a month. We'll get you some extra content, including, you know, bonus episodes, um, being able to take place or take part in like polls and stuff through the Patreon page to help pick episodes and things like that. So, we, we're going that route. And it also is going to help us improve the show. We don't do this, obviously, to make money. We're never going to get rich off of doing a podcast. That's not the point at all. However, doing a podcast, you know, is time consuming and there is, you know, monetary uh involvement, paying the web host, paying the paying for the equipment, paying for the uh recording tool that we use, all that stuff. So this is just gonna help us. Uh, with that and in turn, help us improve the show because it will enable us to pay for a better, you know, web host, better recording equipment so that the show sounds better, et cetera. So be on the lookout for it. It's not a requirement by any means. It, you, we were, like I said, we're still going to do the monthly or the weekly episodes where we just talk about a specific film. But if you're interested in hearing us talk about, like I said, our top 10 best and worst favorite thing, you know, favorite specific things, or even like maybe some true crime stuff. I fucking yeah. love true crime. So, We're getting Teresa Padone right, back on right. that because nobody knows it like her. Um, and even in straying into territory, like, I mean, interviews or, you know, bringing on guests for the purpose other than just sitting and talking about, you know, a specific title. Um, we don't want to break our regular flow because it seems to be going over well. Like, we've definitely seen a spike in listenership. We really thank you all for your support. Uh, but we also acknowledge there's room to make things exciting. And and I think that's what makes the Patreon work really well for us. It's the glass slipper for us. It fits because there's a lot of other things we can do aside from what we're doing. What we're doing is working really well, but there's so much additional material that we could put out there. That's not just going to be like one little bonus a month. That's all you get. I look forward to, you know, providing our supporters with a lot of perks. I mean, and, and Troy and I really are into this, guys. Like we we talk about this daily. We're like giddy schoolgirls. Every mm -hmm. fucking episode, we get fucking excited. And like <laughs> we're even doing a full revamp. Season two is about to roll out. And you guys are going to see like... 
you know, we're paying for this out of pocket. We're doing this because we love it. Uh, any profit we make is not going to be making us rich. Just like Troy said, this is not something where we're looking to make a ton of money and, and be living off the fat of the land. We're <laughs> we're simply wanting to ensure that we can provide a quality um, a material for you, our listeners, quality product that's going to keep you coming back for more. Um, but until, until that happens, you know, until we really get deep into the first month of Patreon and really get a vibe for how people are responding, we are, you no, know, either way, we're in season two. We are officially into season two of Dark Knight of the Podcast. That's exciting, Troy. Yeah, it is. 40 episodes. Well, 40 yeah. total episodes. Whew. We have 30, yeah. well, 39, well, no, 38 episodes and we, this is our second bonus. So we have 40 episodes out. So we have our technical intro episode as well. So it is 40 because we have a, our first episode is like a, how do you do? So we're at 40, give or take. Give or take, give or take. So yeah, so that's that's what we have going on. So check it out. It's not an obligation. We're still going to be churning out these episodes weekly, still having guests, still choosing movies that you guys are getting a kick out of because you seem to like the films that we've been choosing lately. So yeah, so check it out. And another exciting thing, I just want to throw it out there. No way putting a focus on it, but it's coming and I want our fans to be ready for it. Um, since we're about to talk about our films today, you know, Troy and I are filmmakers, indie filmmakers, and first and foremost, before we did this, before we knew each other, we were making indie film, and Troy is about to mount uh, his next production. This is what, your fourth movie, fourth, Troy? Fourth, yeah. My God, look at you, you're about to graduate. <laughs> um, <laughs> all these school references, this works so good, this is perfect. Um, but yeah, so Troy is about to launch his uh, crowdfunder, it's Indiegogo is the Yeah, I'm, I'm using crowd. Indiegogo this time around, I'm not gonna. I'm not really going to dwell on this. By the time this episode is out, the Indiegogo will be in full force, and I will have an idea in terms of how it's doing. But if you're interested in checking it out, the film is called Hollow Lake. It is a... Very much a unique take on the home invasion slasher style film. It is uh, a gay themed slasher. It's two gay couples who decide to spend the night or spend the weekend at a remote uh, lake house. And hell breaks loose when one of the couples kind of have uh, an an illicit encounter with, with somebody that turns out to be not the wisest decision. It's pretty brutal. It's pretty graphic it's pretty unlike anything i've done so if you want to check it out yeah pull up indiegogo search for hollow lake and and check out all the different perks and stuff that you can get and and pre-order the movie uh all that fun stuff so check it out i'm sorry this episode's starting to sound like a commercial like we just want money 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 but no i'm just kidding oh oh they know they know (laughs) i mean like yes give us money here's my here's my cash app uh But no, <laughs> he will do multiple favors for, for fighting. Right. Um, but yeah, I, and, and just, you know, we want to remind people at the end of the day that you and I are filmmakers. Yeah. That's why we do what we do. And that's why we love what we love, which is horror. And that's what inspires and that's us. What and so gives us, what better... that's what gives us the credibility to pick these movies apart because exactly. we have been on set. We have made, <laughs> oh, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. You don't have to be a filmmaker to be able to critique them. I'm just, <laughs> I'm and if you are a filmmaker, it does not mean you have credibility. It, it, exactly. to judge oh, other people's we know that, don't we, Roger? We know that. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, it's fall, it's autumnal outside, the leaves are changing, and we thought, you know, 
Now is the time. Especially here in the back in the Midwest, the weather here is like, oh gosh, you go out and there's that fall breeze that I've that Welcome. I've been missing for twelve years. Yeah, love it. The briskness. Yes. Yeah, my nipples are already perky because <laughs> I step outside and it's already it dropped from like seventy to fifty I in know, a I matter know. of hours. It's mind boggling. But um, this is the time that I like to crack out a horror movie. This is around the time that I really get into watching the genre. I mean, I love them all year round, three, six, five, but. You and me both, I'm sure, like we acknowledge that this is the time that people like to capitalize on the genre. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You don't, you see, you know, get on social media in October and you see how many people are posting their 31 days of horror and what they're watching each day. And people spend a lot of time and energy making like their perfect list of what they're going to watch in October. Uh, and it's a really cool time to be a horror fan. It is basically October is the horror fans. You know, it's 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 their Christmas. So yeah, if like we were Mariah Carey to Christmas, oh. <laughs> that that is yes. <laughs> how October is that to us right now? Um, and we do have a few films that have you know somehow some way gotten a little bit of love and attention. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, we both have films that are prominently focused around a school, a high school setting. Uh, both a different you know, used for different reasons and purposes. But um, overall, I find it kind of charming, Troy, that like our film careers for you and I, like they kind of have some like parallels in some ways, like you said, with like the Christmas slasher. And then like I did a movie called Elementary and you did a movie called Teacher Shortage. Like it's just, it is <laughs> very similar. Yeah. So, but I'm not talking about Elementary today. No, you're not. Nobody can access it. No one can find it. I have a copy and that's the only copy I know of. So they need to release it. <laughs> You can see a 19-year-old Roger getting killed in a bathroom. Ooh. My first death scene. But uh, the topic, the title of, of my film that I thought would go well with this theme is actually Chill the Killing Games, yes. uh, which revolves around a high school setting about students locked within a high school. Uh, so it still very much fits with the theme, uh, which is school, education. Well, and another thing, and another thing that these films have in common, Roger, which again, I, it's not purpose. It's not on purpose. I didn't even really know about Chill the Killing Game when I was writing the script for Teacher Shortage. But another thing that we should definitely mention is that both of these horror slasher films are unique in the sense that they have a final boy instead of your traditional final girl. And it just happens to be in both films. A final yeah. gay boy. And let me stop right there. If you have not seen Teacher Shortage or you have not seen uh, Chill, we're going <laughs> to spoil Why bother now? I mean, so if, yeah, right. Why bother? They've been out forever. I mean, it's your loss. But no, I'm saying we, we are going to spoil them because it's just going to be hard to talk about the film and Roger's involvement in my film because he was the star of my film. It's going to be hard to talk about that without spoiling it. So if you haven't watched Teacher Shortage, you may, if you don't care that it's spoiled, then keep listening. But you know, it is it is kind of a whodunit in a sense, although it's some people think it's pretty obvious who the killer is, but it's still supposed to be a whodunit. So if you don't want to know, don't listen. I recently watched a review that, that said it was so obvious yeah. who the killer was from the from the first time you saw the character. Who is me, by the way? Which is, I'm the killer in one, I'm the hero in the other. Let's get it out there. Yeah. Uh, and that, this is not meant to be a, like a jack-off Roger fest. It just happens to be the case. Um, but someone <laughs> said that. They're like, oh, it was so very clear that he was the killer. And I was like, really? Like, do I seem... Did I seem that maniacal? In the few scenes I had prior, I guess I don't know. I mean, I just it's to each their I own. I mean, I think I think watching the film, you you just if you do 
some deductive reasoning, you can kind of figure it out. Um, yeah. But I don't think that it's like blatantly obvious from like the first thing you were in that, oh, he's the killer. Um, but it, it is, you know, it is what it is. I've had other people say that they never would have guessed you were the killer. You can read other reviews that are like, oh my God, it caught me totally off guard. I didn't even think of that. I was in awe because I didn't realize that. So it was kind of like, you know, it's hard to top. It was too hard to top like a, a killer reveal in, in, that I did in Mrs. Claus, where you have sort of that double, uh, double twist ending here. I am spoiling Mrs. Claus too. So if you haven't seen that, but <laughs> Mrs. Claus has two killers in it. And one of them is kind of very obvious. I think the other one is not obvious at all. So it comes as a shock. So when I was writing teacher shortage, I was like, I'm not going to be able to top that in terms of killer reveal. So I'm not even going to try. So that was kind of where my mind was with that. Yeah. Yeah. You, I'm, I mean, right out the gate, one of the main things I really wanted to bring up with teacher shortage for you as you developed this script. And I don't know if this was in like one of the earlier scripts you worked on, but <clears throat> comparatively speaking to your other films, teacher shortage clearly takes experience from your background, which I mean, you were a teacher and, and I know there are aspects of dialogue that you've said have like directly been influenced by conversations you've overheard or been part of. I'm curious, like how much of teacher shortage overall was actually inspired you know killing aside murders aside how much of that really was taken from like real life experience and, and actual conversations that you participated in uh most of it if not all of it i mean i i feel like if a teacher watches teacher shortage they are totally going to know that someone in education wrote the script I mean, I use all of the, the educational lingo that is, is supposedly, you know, popular and, you know, what we're supposed to be doing as teachers. And the, there's a whole conversation in teacher shortage where the uh, department chair is encouraging her department to give students 50s instead of zeros. That's been very much meetings that I've sat in but with principals telling us we needed to give 50s instead of zeros because too many kids were failing. And I will tell you the seed idea for, for teacher shortage came way back in my early education career. I was like a second year teacher and I had a really good friend. Her name was Renee Smith and she actually produced party night with me. Um, and we just were in awe at some of these people that were teachers in terms of like how unprofessional they were just like these odd quirks that they have that they had or just, and you're like, really this person is a teacher and you quickly realize that if I keep talking and being honest, Troy's not going to be a teacher anymore, but you, you quickly realize that, <laughs> you know, teachers are some of the oddest ducks out there. And you even have that line Roger, where you were during your like final monologue where you say like teachers, man, what a bunch of fucking entitled fucked up. And I'm not saying every teacher folks, please don't get, if you're a teacher, don't, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying like, there are a lot that are. Um, and so 
the whole idea of teacher shortage just came up one day when we're like, you know what? It'd be cool. And this was even before I did party night, but we're like, it'd be cool to have a, a movie where like teachers are getting killed off. And at that time it was like, Oh, you know, just because I like, and we wanted to make it school theme, like just goofy, like, Oh, they're getting killed off with a stapler or whatever, stupid stuff like that. And it was just joking. It was just joking. You know how you do that with, with colleagues and stuff. Uh, it was never serious. But then when, when I did party night and then Mrs. Claus and I was trying to decide, well, what's the next film that I want to do? And I just had, I felt like I had such a bucket of gold to draw from in a script about the education system and turning it into a slasher flick was just that much more, you know, appealing to me. So teacher shortage was, was kind of born out of experience and, um, just, I really wanted to show just casual people like what teachers deal with you know and and kind of the bs that that goes on behind the scenes that that parents students whatnot don't see um so i mean i then i i look at that and then i can't say that i blamed a lot of teachers for having you know some of the issues or attitudes or, or or viewpoints that they do because the education system has really been challenging for teachers i would say in the last 20 years and oh, yeah. it's not getting any better covid has just made it worse so that is why right now <laughs> there really is a teacher shortage and it has nothing to do with a mass killer killing right off. right and again guys i'm a horror fan i'm a slasher fan i i would i'm never advocating like killing a teacher i i, I kind of <laughs> no i mean i know i know you should have to say that i don't advocate killing anybody but I, I don't want people to listen to this and think oh god this dude fucking he loathes teachers no i don't i am a teacher i've been a teacher for almost 20 years it's a delicate subject anytime you set something that has violence in it and death when you set it anywhere near a school these days that's yeah. tricky that's tricky you're walking a fine line yeah and, and you have like all this columbine and sandy hook and all of the school shootings to blame for that and i can tell you a little bit i'm, I'm babbling now but i do want to tell the story about um trying to find a, lo- a school location to film teacher at shortage and was a challenge but we'll get to that we'll get to that oh yeah yeah i mean i can absolutely imagine and and i think that probably reflects on a, a big reason as to why you set a chunk of the film in a in an alternate location and in, in a, like a house party you know because honestly I, I i'm sure it's quite difficult convincing faculty or the you know the higher up on the school board to uh to sway them to allow a, a slasher to be filmed within that that venue especially a low budget slasher at least like if it was like a multi-million dollar production they're like okay well at least we can like build a new gym with this or something but yeah i'm sure that was difficult yeah no and it was what it, what what it was was i started to i was planning on filming and right before I, when i was searching for a location the uh there was a mass shooting right outside of houston uh, at a high school in santa fe texas so that really also put a big uh kind of d- damper on trying to find a school location that was okay with having a, a film being shot there where people are being murdered yeah <laughs> Uh, because San, uh, Santa Fe had just happened. That was the, that was the one where the kid walked into his art class and shot his girlfriend and then like six other kids. Uh, man, people, so it makes sense to me why there's a hesitancy. Um, but I mean, beyond just schools, I do, I think it, it, it takes a lot of, um, (laughs) a lot of, um, how can I word this? Like it's gotta be handled with care. 
the way you pitch these projects these days to any location, honestly. I mean, with Chill, we had, and this was back in 2011 that we were filming, getting ready to film Chill, and we had such a hard time convincing a location to let us film there, uh, mostly because you're, now, you're an, we're an independent company, and, and there there is not a massive budget behind it. And when you remove the financial aspect, like what you, you're basically begging people to let you film there for close to free, I mean, what are they going to get out of it? So with mm -hmm. Chill, we had to change our location, I think, three separate times. Uh, it was not originally written to be taking place within the college. It's actually a college campus, but we used like seven different buildings to trick oh. this building to look like... We said that the building was in the midst of construction. And so that was our way of like making it pass. Saying that like, oh, the building's under construction. We actually had like a, um, a college in the area that was getting a ton of work done on the exterior. So we filmed a bunch of exterior shots like discreetly. And then we would like cut to like the scaffolding and everything. You know, and we played it up in our favor. And then we'd film in like these updated parts of another college to be like, here's the school that was made over. So we're, we actually filmed in like four colleges. And then we used a theater and like we used all kinds of different things trying to trick it. We said it was an art school, you know. At the end of the day, I think it worked pretty well. But like... It could have been really easy if we just had one fucking location that gave us the A-OK, -okay, but no one's going to do that when you need weeks on end of filming at this building, you know, and you have little to no budget to go and to spare, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I understand. Yeah. All of the school scenes and teacher shortage were filmed in five, five nights. Uh, we did three and then two with you guys because we filmed the opening scene and Brink Stevens scene in December. And then the rest of the film was in March. And I think me, we had two night, two days in March. So it was five nights and it wasn't even a whole day. The school gave us the, from like four to 10 or something. So if you watch teacher shortage and, and even though the school scenes aren't that prominent in the film, they're pretty elaborate you know especially i mean you have a giant chase scene through the school and all that stuff so to film that in that short of time that was really a lot of pressure luckily it came out pretty decent i think it could have came out a little bit better if we would have had more time but there was that one night no you weren't there that wasn't with you guys but there was the one night where literally the janitor was like trying to was like trying to push us out of the building and we're still trying to get the you know film it was it was bad so yeah so guys if you're ever going to write a script let me give you a little bit of advice. Um, and this is what I learned. I mean, party night, A-OK. -okay. Party night was mainly one location. Mrs. Claus, mainly one location, sorority house. Teacher shortage, 50 fucking locations. If you're going to write... <laughs> If you're going to write a script and you're going to try to produce it independently and you want to, and it's going to be low budget, please, please, please use as few locations as possible. Trust me there. Unless you know you have access to something. Yeah. You know, yeah. 100%. Please don't try to set, please don't try to write a film that you're planning on filming for a couple thousand dollars and, and include a mall scene, a bowling alley scene. <laughs> uh, just don't do it. Don't what do it. What is this? Grease? Like Grease right, 2? Right. Like, <laughs> it's Grease 2. <laughs> Rizzo. But, um, Lizzo. What's her name? Yeah. Rizzo? Rizzo. Rizzo. She's a, she's a Grease 1. It's Frenchie that's in both oh, of them. I don't Didi know. Khan. But Love you know what I'm saying, time. right? You know Thank what I'm you. saying. I'm, I'm giving a little bit of a friendly advice. Just uh, fewer locations, the better. That's why this next film is taking place basically at one location. Uh, yeah. So I would say write to your locations. Like, yes. Yes. Determine. Absolutely. Like you said this. Like if you know you have a good location, like 
make sure you incorporate it, you know? Well, that, well, no, that's what, that's exactly what I did with teacher shortage. I, I knew 100% that I could use a, the, the bar that we filmed in. I knew it. So I basically rewrote the entire ending of the film to take place at a bar. Yeah. In the original script, it was supposed to just all take place at Sue Steele's house. Which that would have been a blast. (laughs) It would have been a blast. (laughs) It would have been been boring. boring. I mean, that people... People were bored of the, of those scenes as it was. I don't know how many people are like, oh, that's so, <laughs> so I yeah. knew I had a bar, so I changed it. And it just, it gives that film and the, the bar stuff in teacher shortage is my favorite by far. Uh, I think it, it's higher. It's high energy. It looks great. The chase scenes are electric. It's just, it's just, yeah. A ton I, of I would say that teacher shortage definitely like hits its lull in the middle. Like this is what I've seen. And from the reviews, because I sit and I go through every single fucking one of them. Uh, and it's, you know, in the middle, it does seem like it kind of hits a lot of dialogue. But then once it starts to pick up towards the end, it's like, thank God it ends with a big bang. Um, I did read a review, Troy, and I don't know if you've seen this one, where it's a guy who says, I'm going to be honest, this movie's a lot of shit. <laughs> but <laughs> I've never seen a movie that so accurately depicts the education system. It's like, that Troy has to be a, a, either be a teacher or be, be married to one. Like, because like, he, he picked up on it. This guy like obviously had to be a teacher as well. And he gave it three out of five stars just for that alone. So yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it resonates with people. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I think I, I really wanted to like show it at a staff development last year at my school. Just like, we're having a staff development. Let's watch teacher shorts. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you would not have a job after that. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised I have a job now, Roger. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> but whatever. Oh, man. But no, That's so funny. chill chill the killing game. So you play the character of Kyle, right? I do. I play Kyle. Kyle. I do. Which is funny because, hey, the final boy in Mrs. Claus's name was Kyle. Look at all of these connections, oh Roger. Come on. Was, we were meant to we're, be. This was meant to happen. <laughs> this was meant to be. Yes. Yeah. But I do. Yeah. I play Kyle. And um, the the way the project like came to fruition was so weird because we'd all worked together on a film prior. A bunch of, like, uh, I'd say 80% of the cast and crew from chill work together on a, a movie about wi- like wiccan people but not like a horror movie it was just a movie about like wiccans in their everyday lives it was called dark of moon <laughs> and it was and it was about like wiccans finding love and like it was it was like twilight without the vampires is how i would have to describe it it was very bad it was a very bad movie um but uh, after that a bunch of us were like let's try to make something better <laughs> so, so we like formed our own crew and um and uh, there were two women behind the production yeah, aspect. Like two director, director, two female directors. Yeah, yeah. Meredith Holland and Noelle Bai, um, cinematographer too. Like so, it was like it was a lady. Like women were running this shit. Ladies' night. Um, it was ladies' night. Yeah, and um, I, I appreciate that because I feel like when you watch the movie, that really transcends. Like you, you get the vibe. Like there's a feminine eye uh, applied to some of the details. But yeah, I mean, there were so many changes that happened over the course of this film because this was really the first time that we tried. A lot of us were working behind the scenes, and it was like one of those projects where everybody came to set and like you wore different hats. No one was just there to act. Like one of the girls was doing the makeup as well as playing um, the female lead, Madison the blonde. She did all the makeup uh like the costuming like i was handling the costuming for the killer like the jacket and everything um the the makeup and gore effects like we were all kind of pitching in wherever we could you know so it was really like a a green production like a grassroots production 
But I think that's part of the reason why, like, it has formed kind of like a like a little cult following. That and because it was on this online series called Rooster Teeth, which I like. Knew, Rooster Teeth. I knew nothing about them, but they're kind of like a mystery science theater, and they will watch these films and do like commentary the whole way through. And they so they yeah, and it was so they did it for chill and like and they. Um, they basically like they like the final consensus was like yeah this is a bad movie just like the rest of the bad movies but this is the best bad movie we've watched <laughs> and everybody watching was like yes we agree so that like, so that made me feel good like I'll take it okay um but yeah like I I feel like it was honestly one of those things just everyone involved was passionate like passion goes a long way well you can tell yeah absolutely uh, oh absolutely I think I think that's a 100% true statement, especially an indie film, uh, a film in general. I think that you can really tell a film that's being made by someone who has a true passion for the genre or the source material that they're remaking or whatever versus someone that's just in it for the experience or the, 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 fa- the, the clout they think it's going to give them or whatever. You can totally tell. Um, and I think, yeah, the chill, the killing game, it, it's, it does have a lot of heart to it. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's an amateur production, but so is Party Night. So is Mrs. So is everything. I mean, so is most of what we've done. You're you're working with a very limited amount of funds. Um, I don't think people understand if you want to make a good film or a decent film, how much money it takes to uh, do yeah, it. Yeah, man, it really like these are the learning curves like that really de- determine what the rest of your career is going to be like. Honestly, I mean, it is, you make a few movies without a a budget and you start to realize like it's, you're not going to grow. Like you cannot expand on your craft without having some kind of financial padding to, you know, add to the, whether it be a better camera or better wardrobes or, you know, a better creature or killer, all of these things, like you can't just pull it out of your ass. And I'm sure you had this with like your earlier films. I know like we both had budgets, but these budgets were like minuscule. And, and you can only do so much with pennies, you know? Like, you can only push it so far. So Chill was, like, completely out of pocket. We didn't do any crowdfunding at all or anything. We just, we were winging it, man. We were babies. Like, we were, I was maybe 24, 23, 24. And I just, like, I just wanted to keep doing it. And I, by whatever means necessary. And if I wasn't getting cast in anything, there was nothing to do in Cleveland at the time. Like, there's nothing to audition for. I'm going to make it happen myself. And Chill took, like, four or five years to finish um but we didn't make you know you see some of these filmmakers and i'm no way slamming them. this is this is just how some people work some filmmakers can pump out seven films a year you know some filmmakers can just do it i'm somebody who like i will fucking sit there and finesse it and like it's like a ball of dough and i'm trying to really make it into something i'm proud of and eventually you just kind of have to throw in the towel because you don't have the money you don't have the equipment but god like i really like tried we all tried our hardest with chill to make it transcend beyond its budget yeah yeah i've said it before and i i I, i'll say it now again that i strive to improve with every film i don't want to keep doing the status quo you know i could have very easily after party night not taken anything i learned from that film and that experience and just pumped out another film hell i probably could pump out two or three films a year if i wanted to if if not four or five the problem with that is the, there are filmmakers that do that, that film seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, sometimes more features, quote unquote, 
in a year and they're filming them in a span of a couple days over a weekend or whatnot. The, the problem with that is, in my mind, is watch them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can totally tell quality wise. I, and this is me, this is me, people. It's not, I'm not slamming anybody. I would not want my name attached to something like that. Uh, I want, I mean, I want my, not that I'm saying my films are fucking Citizen Kane. Roger knows this. I can make fun of my films with the best of them. I don't care. I can read a bad review. It doesn't bother me. In fact, I've gotten a kick out of some of these reviews of, of my films where I, I just laugh and send them to people. And I mean, I just get a kick out of it. If you're going to be a filmmaker, you have to have a strong backbone and you can't let people criticize your films because a lot of times the people that are criticizing your films are not fans of indie film in the first place. You know, they're used to big budget, you know, uh, superhero studio films. And then they come across your little film that might have a cool poster on Amazon Prime and start playing it. And they're watching a film that was made for $10,000 and, and it's going to look like it. And of course, they're going to slam it. So right. let it let it happen. If you're I just want my films to at least be the best they can be in my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I think that's. I think that if you watch my three films, there's definitely an improvements. There's things that I learned and improved on. Are they perfect? Oh, hell no. I could go back to every single one of them and, and say things I wanted to change. But I would say teacher shortage definitely is the one that I may be in the most proud of uh, in terms of what we pulled off with the budget and the amount of time, or I should say the lack of time we had to film. I, I'm very happy with the final product. Uh, I know that I put everything, you know, all of my energy and, and time into when we were on set doing what we needed to do to get it done and, and to be something that we all would be proud of, not just me. You know what I mean? Oh, man. I mean, like, I'm, and you know, this is not a, like a jack off, like, making you feel good about it, Troy. Like, but um, I'm super proud of Teacher Shortage and I acknowledge Teacher Shortage for what it is. You know, I, I'm completely aware it's, it's another low budget project I've been involved with, but I do think it's very different from previous projects I've done. I get to play a very different role. And um, I'm very impressed by levels of planning and levels of devotion that went into the craft. I mean, I think there's a level of quality consistently throughout Teacher Shortage that it transcends, you know, beyond your older works. And I, I think you can definitely see the growth there. And I think for me as an actor, I look for that, you know, I'm I, when you work in the arts, you're going to be self you're going to judge yourself worse than anything else you know whether you're it's you're judging your craft as a director or you're judging your performance as an actor or anything else and um i i look at every role i've done and i think of what could i have done different how could i have done that better and for chill that was years and years ago and there's so many things that make me cringe when i watch it but i'm still proud of it at least with teacher shortage though i put those side by side and i see the growth i've had as an actor and that makes me feel good like that's that's the most you can ask for on this level. Like, I know I'm trying my hardest. I know you're trying your hardest as a filmmaker. And I think it shows. I think there's definitely an evolution there. And I think with your next project, Hollow Lake, you know, I hope you get a bigger budget than you've had before. Because I hope you have the chance to have a little more room to play with that. You know, because that definitely, I think it really just comes down to the financial aspect. That's the thing. Like, that's what sucks at the end of the day. Movies only are going to look as good as the budget behind them. Like, and you can, you can push a budget so far, a small budget, but eventually there's something to be said for the cap, the cameras and the lenses and the costumes and all the things that demand 
money. And and so I, I do hope that, you know, when it comes to this crowdfunding endeavor you're about to get into, that that um, you exceed your goal. Because I've, I've seen the script. I think it's fantastic. I'm really excited for you. I think that this is a, a great um, new entry in the Troy Escamilla uh, collection. Well, you know, as I've said, I've always I said my my films are just getting gayer and gayer and gayer, and pretty soon yes. it's just going to be gay porn. No, just yes, no, well, I'm serious though. It's it's like I I'm a gay filmmaker, so are you, uh, and there seems to be a large quantity of gay horror fans. I want to say I never knew how many gay horror fans were out there. Until I, until social media, basically, I, I'm just flabbergasted at how many gay horror fans there are out there. And you're talking, we're talking like super, super, super devoted horror fans. And with that said, there's also a lot of gay horror filmmakers out there. Me and you know many of them, right? Um, we've had a few on our show and stuff like that. What I've always, uh, what's always flabbergasted me, and I've, we've had this conversation, is that I can't believe that there are not more gay LGBTQ-themed horror films being made because the fact there are so many gay horror filmmakers out there in the indie scene. Um, so I, 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 I was looking at you know that aspect of it, and I was trying to figure out like why. And I think like when I did Party Night which is my first film. There's no real gay element to that film at all. It's just because I just wanted to make a slasher film. And, um, you know, you don't want to really put your identity out there like that. I understand that. But then with Mrs. Claus, I included a gay character. And then Teacher Shortage actually is very gay. And now Hollow Lake is gay to the level of way off the charts gay. It's really, and when I say this, you know, people might roll their eyes because you hear this all the time, but I really think that this is going to be unlike anything that you've seen in indie horror recently uh, in terms of kind of the, the topics it deals with, the the violence, the sexuality that's going to be very blatant. Um, and I know we just had like, we just had Mike Joseph on with Death Drop Gorgeous and that film is a ton of fun. And I feel like that film is kind of in the same vein where it pushes boundaries it's it's really in your face. It's it's something you haven't really seen before, and it's making kind of um, its mark on the mainstream, which is really awesome. But the difference is they are totally going for camp in that film, and they will totally admit it. Where Hollow Lake is more of a serious endeavor. Yeah, it's a mainstream queer movie, is what it is. Like you're really trying to fit that mainstream formula of like a. It's got vibes of almost what I would picture with a like, um, um, like the strangers kind of like tone at times. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes. Very dark. Yeah. Very dark. And and so, which I appreciate because you don't. I mean, we we really haven't had that yet. You know, at least at least no. With the, and I'm surprised. Like I said, I'm surprised there are gay filmmakers out there that are churning out films on a regular basis, and they're but they're not they're not they're not touching the whole gay theme in their films, which is just. Not that you have to, I'm not saying you have to, uh, you really, you don't, you can make the film you want to make, but I just, I think it's, I, I'm not even, I think it's interesting that more and not in a bad way and not in a good way that just more gay filmmakers aren't making gay themed films. At a point, it feels like a missed opportunity. Um, because like you said, there is a huge gay fan base clamoring for this material. I think, you know, I, I. And you know, if you if you are a gay horror fan, you need to, and you haven't done it yet, because I I know just by the name of the film, you're not going to think gay 
but check out Teacher Shortage because it really is a gay themed horror film. I, I really wanted, I, I really am sad about the fact that I really didn't push that narrative a little bit harder with the film. But the reason I didn't do it is because I kind of wanted it to be sort of a surprise in terms of, you know, just how people would react. Yeah, well, that that is something I, I do want to inquire about, the queer aspect of teacher shortage. Just because if you look at your movies, like you said, it's progressively gayer and gayer. What about teacher shortage? When did you know that this was the one that you wanted to really introduce that as part of the narrative? Because the film before, you had a gay character. But I, I mean, you could have removed that aspect and it really wouldn't have affected the story teacher shortage depends on that a bit it depends on that queer and that was one of the reasons why i really wasn't all over social media being like oh hey gays check out teacher shortage it's a gay th-. because it's <laughs> because of this it's supposed to be a surprise it's supposed to come out of left field it's not an element that's in your face it's not supposed to be in your face it's supposed to take the audience off guard when they find out because basically what is happening is the first year English teacher is having a sexual relationship with the principal played by you, right? Uh, and I did not want that to be out there in the open. I wanted it to come to su- as a surprise to the audience because just when the audience thinks yeah. that they kind of know who the final girl is going to be in the film because it's you have Kaylee Williams, the lovely Kaylee Williams, who I love to death, the sweetest thing you'll ever meet in your life. She plays like the quintessential final girl type character in Teacher Shorters and everyone you know, has said, Oh my God, I thought she was going to be the final girl. Well, I, I, I really pull a 180 and give you a gay final boy. Who's literally making out with the principal in the office at the school. It's supposed to come out of left field. Um, whereas hollow Lake, that's, I don't care that people know it's two gay couples. It's, it's very gay. So I'm going to play that up a little bit more, but you know, I just felt like a lot of the Ryan character in teacher shortage is me, to be honest with you. You know, um, me as a first year teacher, me as a teacher, a first year teacher that was put in a situation that was sort of out of my comfort level uh, with in a brand new environment and and just sort of taking everything in. The the Ryan character in Teacher Shortage is such a kind of quiet observer. He takes in everything around him. He's not flamboyant. He's not like a loud character. He's just very sensitive and very observant to his surroundings. And that was me as a first year teacher. I, I, I didn't know really what to think. I I didn't know what I was doing. I felt very out of place. So the Ryan character is in a lot of respects, me as a first year teacher. So it just made sense to make him a gay character. Um, not that I was having sexual relationships with my principal, I was not because it was an old lady. Miss Her name was Miss Outhouse. I mean, I can't imagine. No, I swear to God. So <laughs> I can't imagine that would ever happen. But, you know, just thinking about the plot and how it transpired, I just thought it would be kind of a little interesting thing to throw in there because it just shows that schools, you know, everyone has this like preconceived notion of what a school is and what teachers are. But as I said at the beginning of the podcast, and I might have sounded a little too harsh towards teachers, and I didn't really mean that at all. I guess my my intention was what I was trying to say or what I'm trying to get across with teacher shortage is that, you know, teachers are human. And as a child, as children, we all had these like notions of teachers being like these goody two shoes and people you look up to and stuff like that. But 
being in education for as long as I have, you come to realize that, like I said, teachers are human and they're doing stuff that you probably don't want to know about, including having sex with principals, including, you know, being a basically functioning alcoholic, which one of the characters in teacher shortage is. I mean, that stuff is, is true. It's true, at least in my experience. And I write from my experience. So I've known of teachers who were having sexual relationships with uh, administration. I mean, so it just, I, I wanted to kind of throw that in there to show people that these, that schools aren't like this ideal place that we always thought they were when we were kids. That's to, that's a long answer, but that's really where I wanted was, was trying to say at the beginning of the podcast when I was, when I sounded like I was like demonizing teachers, that's not what I was trying to do at all. No. And you're also like, I think when you people experience speak from like direct experience, there's a comfort level that like, it like, you know, you have, you have been a teacher for years. Like, of course you're going to speak candidly about that without maybe a filter that other people might tiptoe around. So, I mean, I respect that. I completely get what you're saying. I have lots of friends who are teachers. I have uh, people in my life who, who are teachers and have been miserable at times and have had horrible experiences and have had to vent yeah. that. And, I mean, think about what you're doing. You're You're taking care of hundreds of children a year. Like, it just sounds like the fucking nightmare fuel <laughs> so like no wonder they're all miserable and drinking like i get it um it's a rough fucking job and i think that's why a lot of a lot of teachers uh don't make it past a certain point you know exactly and so i, I yeah that was my whole point is what i was trying to say in terms of of that is that like teacher shortage is supposed to kind of represent the reality uh, of uh, what it's like to work in a in a public school uh, and the t different types of personalities that you're going to encounter. Because like I said, all of those characters in Teacher Shortage are teachers that I worked with, basically. The character is Sue Steele, who was played by Deborah Lamb, uh, very much like one of my early department chairs. Uh, you know, and then you have like the, you know, the Alice character played by Samantha uh, Marie, who is kind of the uptight, goody two-shoes, annoying one that takes the job way too seriously yeah. Uh, it's kind of a wet blanket when it comes to having fun. So all these, all these are just like real types of characters that I interacted with at, at, throughout my years of teaching. But I think we kind of rambled on Roger. I think the purpose of this was really to talk about you know the movies and like what we, you know, just different experiences that we had. So, you know, if you could, you know, if there are like a couple of things that you could tell the audience about chill, the killing game, because like you said, they are, they are both connected by the fact that they are, um, like school themed slashers. Chill is a little bit different. It's your more traditional, it's your college high school students that are being killed off. Uh, I, one thing that I do will give chill a lot of credit for is the death scenes are pretty good. Um, there's a lot of blood, lots of, lots of death, <laughs> which if you're watching a slasher, that's what you want. Yeah. There's a, there's a big cast, which makes for a really high body count. Um, I, I, I learned so much on this other chill in the sense of like how to simplify like if you have a big cast but you break it up so that there's only certain amounts of people like you know in certain scenes together you could make it seem like a really high volume cast and also like not have to worry about having just never don't ever have a scene if you're gonna do a scene if there's like 10 people in a room make it one scene get the fuck over with you know um but chill like was just it was such a challenge because like i said we were so green but it was a really fulfilling experience um and um 
you know, I, I had a lot of hands-on work behind the scenes with that film. So when it did get finished and we did screen it and we did get distro for it, there was like a huge aspect of pride. It was the first time I ever did anything other than act on, on a, a film. So I do look at that movie, like even to this day, it is a, it's a tiny film, but like we tried to push the scope of it as much as possible. Um, and I'm just proud of it. And it's one of those films that like, if you like indie slashers, I think, I think more often than not fans of that specific like sector of the genre enjoy it. And I, I, I genuinely feel that like I'm in plenty of movies that I know are just God awful voodoo rising. Don't ever watch it. <laughs> don't ever. And if you watch it, don't, don't talk to me about it. He warned you. I've he warned, warned you. you. It's horrible. But, um, but chill like, it, like the thing i hear more than anything is that, that it has heart and i think that shows more than anything it's fans of the genre making a film within the genre um it's got a story that is sometimes too complex for its own good but when the, when it works when certain scenes work i think they come off bigger in scope and grander than you would anticipate for a movie that was made for like two thousand dollars overall I mean, like, I, Which honestly, is crazy. it was just, everything was donation-based. Everything was donation. Um, so I would just, I, I, it's one of those films that I'm in that I encourage people to watch. And I have plenty of movies I ask people not to watch. Uh, I'll be honest, like, I have so many films that I just beg people, please, if you're going to watch something I've made, do not watch this movie. And even though Chill is one of the cheaper films, I'm still proud of it. Like, I'm really proud of what we did. It And it, it it's held up more than anything because of, like you said, final boy lead being gay um we don't really dive into it he doesn't have a boyfriend there's not a romantic aspect but that almost makes it even more cutting edge that's that's what i like about it is because it's not like how do you put this he's just gay it's like there's no big deal made about it it's not like you know it, it's not like thrown in your face or anything like that it's not like it's just help this character's gay it, that's it is what it is it's not which is also kind of rare to see. Yeah, yeah. It's always used as a big plot point, um, which for like with teacher shortage, at least it was built around it, so it had purpose. It's not, you know, it's not like it was shoehorned in there. But I've seen plenty of movies that have it just for like the shock factor and the shock factor alone. And Chill doesn't rely on it for anything other than character development, which I appreciate. But um, but yeah, no, I, I would definitely encourage any any fans of the slasher genre to find it you can still get it out there i don't know if you can still get it in physical form it's on amazon right now it, i looked it's on amazon it's it's it used to be on amazon prime for free if you had amazon prime but i think they they moved it so it's like a dollar 99 to rent i'd say it's um, worth it yeah it's yeah guys you're gonna if you're a, no i'm saying if you're a slasher flan if you're a slasher flan if you're a slasher fan you know then you're gonna get a kick out of it if you if you like indie slashers it's it is one of the stronger ones out there there is a lot of heart to it. it. It's it's you can tell it was made with a lot of passion. Yeah. So I would definitely check it out. Thanks, um, Troy. Another thing yeah, I no. am proud of with that that I do want to say is I I feel like when we developed the storyline, we were kind of ahead of the curve in multiple aspects. And there's another element of it that like we kind of just threw it in there, but the whole f aspect of making it a um making the game a web series, like yeah and like now like we're in the era of youtube and social media yeah just stop and give 
when, and say I'm going to say brief, Roger, brief, because we said we were going to keep this under a certain yes. a, a, a time. Yes, time's a ticket. Give the audience <laughs> a brief synopsis of what Chill is about, okay. and, and, so that they can decide if it sounds like something that they would love. It is a slasher, but give them the give them the plot. Synopsis. So it's um it's about in the 1980s. It's about a college campus in the 1980s. Uh, there is a murder that takes place on campus while a group of kids are playing a role playing game that's become kind of synonymous with the school. It's like a tradition for pledges to participate in this role-playing game well a bunch of kids are actually murdered and the killer is never found so the game becomes banned on campus it's super taboo in this town like you don't really talk about it because overall i think like it was eight kids end up getting killed during this process of this the killer never gets found so fast forward to today and there is this pretentious prick who is going to the school whose father is like really high up in the local government who kind of like pulls the strings to um get permission to relaunch the game as a web series um and he does this by bringing kind of all these different personalities into the school and recording it and he one of the people he brings in is like a game a game software designer uh he has like a vlogger come in um he has a like a former child star and all these people are participating in the game so that they can get an idea of what it's like and why it might be marketable on a larger scope but then as they're playing the game and uh, it's being recorded they realize they've been locked inside the building and the cameras start to go down people start to get killed off and they start recreating the murders that happened back in the 80s um so that's the basic synopsis of it yeah, very good. See, and it sounds it sounds right up my alley as a slasher fan. I would I love. I mean, who doesn't love a good old slasher flick with people getting locked into a building and being picked off one by one? Oh, make um, it easy. Make, make it, it easy. easy. Make it easy. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. that's that's chill. The killing game. Um, for back to ghoul week. <laughs> yes. Look at us going back to ghoul. And we actually you and, and, me. and it would pair well. It would pair nicely with teacher shortage. It absolutely would. It's a perfect um, uh, double feature for your um, your autumnal evening. After a long uh, night of studying, perhaps you sit down and enjoy these two films during a fireside chat. During a fireside chat. And Teacher Shortage is my third film. It's probably my favorite of the three, although I, I, I flip back and forth between Mrs. Claus and Teacher Shortage. But I feel like Teacher Shortage has the qual- a quality level that Mrs. Claus is lacking in some parts. Although I think Mrs. Claus is tons of fun, if I do say so myself. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, but um, Teacher Shortage is a film that deals with the English department at Prescott High School who are supposed to be having a, a professional development weekend at the English uh, department chair, Mrs. Steele, Sue Steele's home. And during this session, a masked killer brutally, violently begins murdering them off one by one. Now there is an opening scene that takes place 10 years before the events of the film with a girl uh, being humiliated and bullied to the point of committing suicide in the school bathroom. So that kind of leads into the present day story of teacher shortage. And you find out how it all ties together with a giant uh, blood soaked climactic showdown in a bar. (laughs) Of all places, only because I got the film there for free. So thank you, Rob and Julie. Teachers drink. Teachers drink. So that's teacher shortage. It's 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 very bloody. It's 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 the the gore is kind of over the top in the jalo esque type of way from the seventies. That's what we were going for. There's some cool lighting uh, because we really were trying to 
be inspired by some of the 70s Italian whodunit giallo. So there's a lot of lighting that's used and then a lot of shots of like the killer's black masked hand holding the weapons and, and killer stalking people. It's a lot of fun, uh, I would say. Uh, I, I, I would agree with some of the critics that say it drags a little bit in the middle. Some of the stuff could have been cut out. But I think it's fun. The acting is pretty stellar across the board. There's some fun characters and it's fun seeing like older people being killed in slasher movies because you do, you know, it it isn't a bunch of like young teenagers. You have, you know, Sue Steele who played by Deborah Lamb, who has a pretty, pretty awesome death scene and uh, David McMahon and, you know, just a variety of different Julie Prescott, just a variety of different people being murdered. A lot of fun to do. We had a blast. The, the cast really got along well. So give it a watch. It is available. Last I checked, you know, I have just let it be what it is with this distributor. We could, you know what, Roger, we could have another podcast episode one day just on distribution. Oh, it's coming because Oh, yeah, because I think we both have had some pretty lousy experiences. And I'm going to say that this distributor of teacher shortage, nothing I can do about it now, but I maybe would have went with a different one because they really haven't done much to promote the film. And it's on YouTube for free. (laughs) It's been on YouTube for free from the distributor for about four months now, even though if you go to it and look it up, it says limited time screening, special screening. It's still on there. So get on YouTube, search for teacher shortage movie. You can watch it. And that'll make, that'll make up for the dollar 99. You have to pay to watch chill for because chill. you're getting two films for the for dollar 99. And meanwhile, Troy's Venmo handle again, will yes. be posted below. Right, right. I'm not, but, bitter. Um, I'm not yeah, bitter. I'm no. not bitter. Yeah. Hey, it's out no. there. Whatever. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got, you know, it's got a lot of viewership. I'm, I'm proud to see how many people have, vocalized viewing the movie um i i think that it's established a little following of its own um, i feel like you know I, but i feel you know i'm just gonna put it out there i'm a little bit bummed because i feel like if the film would have got the push that maybe like mrs claus did because i would say uh, of my three films mrs claus definitely is probably the one that i'm most known for known or associated yeah. with not that I, please I'm, i sound like such a douchebag i'm not <laughs> trying to be a douchebag at all don't think that i have an, an inflated ego i really i'm saying though most people though when they hear my name or, or approach me it's mrs claus because the distributor did a really great job at pushing that one out there and marketing it i feel like if the distributor that i went with with teacher shortage would have done the same thing it could have been a lot better bigger it would have been probably a little bit more well known yeah because it does deal with something you really don't see a lot and that's teachers being killed so whatever it is what it is watch watch teacher shortage and chill the killing games for back to ghoul week it's a perfect way to kick off your october back to ghoul and with that being said we are going to launch into October with a bang with our very first review of October next week. You guys are getting two episodes in one week. So it's just a, this is just a little preview of what you could get on our Patreon page, although probably not as eh, self-indulgent. It's self-indulgent, exactly. <laughs> We're saving the self-indulgent for actually everybody to listen to, not just the people that pay for it. But uh, no, the, the Patreon stuff will be a lot different. We have some really cool ideas. We want to do like top 10 best and worst like 80 slashers or final girls and i want to interview some people that aren't actually ourselves right yes we'll get some interviews there's some true crime shit i want to talk Uh, about that relates to horror films but anyways our next film guys we you know i 
there's only so many serious film conversations I can have in a row. That's just my personality. I think if you if you get to know me, it's just I'm not a serious person. So for me to sit for an hour and have to uh, two hours lately and have to talk about a movie in a serious manner is is kind of difficult for me. And we just did that. We did it with um, uh, Devil, the House of the Devil. Totally. Even though we got and to Silent we Hill. got to look at Mikey the whole time, we were doing it. That made it a little bit better. Yeah. And then we did it with um, <laughs> Silent Hill. Silent Hill. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I need to have a episode where we just sit back and just have a blast with this film because and not take it too seriously. So the film that we are doing that we are covering for our very first week of October, and we'll tie it into Halloween somehow. I mean, I know we should probably be doing a Halloween theme film. We will, we will, we have one on the plate, but (laughs) we're starting October off with the 2000 iconic hockey. I know iconic (laughs) hockey mask. <laughs> slasher flick, flick, flick. Did I say thick? Flick. Slash, <laughs> slasher flick. Bloody fucking murder. Buckle the fuck up. I know. We're busting out all the classics this month. <laughs> you horror fans, you slasher fans, you slasher gays especially. I know you know bloody fucking murder. And if you don't, get your ass on Tubi right this instant and mm-hmm. watch it. Because yep. this is going to be an episode you do not want to miss. It's and there's a sequel. If it goes over well enough, there is a there sequel. is a sequel, and the sequel is actually better than the, surprisingly yeah, better. It is better. <laughs> it's much better. Uh, it has Tiffany Shepis in it. Woohoo! I love her. Anytime you get her in a film, I'm there. The sequel has Tiffany. The first one has that fucking the, the most wooden final girl outside of fucking Kate or what, what the fuck was it? Beth from sword. Yeah. Okay. Now we, we, Hey, this final girl in bloody murder is giving Beth a run for her money. Roger, you, after watching, Beth is- after watching bloody murder, you might change your mind. You might change your mind. And Beth is going to be haunting our podcast. Like, I feel like her name will come up at least once an episode, every podcast, like every, every time we record, she's going to come back up. I can't get her out of my mind. We're going to, you know what? Here's the, oh my God, I got the perfect idea for a poll. And we are going to do this when we release, after we release our bloody murder episode, we are doing a poll and I'm everybody fucking better, but we are doing who is the worst final girl, Julie from bloody murder or Beth from sorority house. Massacre. We've got a few I need though. To we've know got a few you're... that we've had. I, I want all of them. I mean, I want like 10 top 10 worst <sighs> and I want to know, I, but I'm starting with these two <laughs> bitches because they are catatonic the entire time. We need to do it like movie. a versus match that every time, like, okay, so Beth, Beth is a champion this, this week, next week, she goes up against like, I don't know who is another like tr- trademark, horrible final girl. Who's the girl from uh Freddie versus Jason. Um, <laughs> the, oh, Monica Kino. <laughs> No, I was thinking Alicia Witt from Urban Legend. Listen, don't you ever come for Alicia Witt. I love her. You know I love her. You said that on purpose. I love her. <laughs> I know. That's why I set it up. <laughs> the, or, <laughs> I will say, for my October month, I don't I don't like to throw this out there, but I am toying with Urban Legend 2 Final Cut. And I just want you to know uh, that they that may be coming up here soon. <laughs> hey, it means I get to watch Joey Lawrence, my first crush. He's, the, he's, he's how I knew I was gay. That's speaking to your age, Troy. And I know, right? Blossom... <laughs> That that's when I knew I was gay, Joey Lawrence. Was, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Those eyes, whoo, piercing. Those, uh, that hair, that yeah. hair, that pout. 
<laughs> but guys, thank you. This we hope you enjoyed this bonus episode and and didn't find it too self indulgent. <laughs> and if you didn't find it too self indulgent, go watch our fucking movies, right? And give us a rating. We're still begging for these fucking ratings. Yeah. <laughs> and if you and if you did find it too self indulgent, if you if you don't give us ratings, we're just gonna keep doing more of them. We're gonna just keep doing more. <laughs> but yeah, Troy, thank you for uh, taking another evening out of your week. I'm always thrilled yes. to chat with you. Beside a Absolutely. fire, absolutely. This was fun. I think it's a little. Bit, I mean, it just. I think the the show our audience a little di- different aspects of our personality. Yeah. We really don't get to, we really, when we're talking about the films each week, we are pretty focused on the film. Yeah. This lets us let our hair down a little bit. Loose, keeping get, it loose like uh, Nelly Furtado. Get a little route. Get a little route. Oh, I love that album. Oh, the best album. That, no, it, <laughs> it is. That's another thing. We'll review that album too. Yes, <laughs> on Patreon. <laughs> For $30, $30 a month, you can listen to us review Nelly Furtado. Nelly Furtado's Loose. <laughs> over that, and over again. <laughs> that, Troy, I bid you adieu. I, uh, oh, <laughs> until next guys if you haven't watched it bloody murder it bloody might take murder. you it might take you a week to get through it so start it now okay <laughs> i'm sweating i'm sweating. i know all right guys good night oh.